Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Have you enjoyed this, this series and this study on the family project? I hope, it's, I hope and pray that it has created some discussion for you and your small groups, uh, even when you go out to eat with other church members as you talk about the messages that have been shared in the Bible, small group Bible studies uh, that, have been, um, that you've been working your way through. Uh, but boy, I tell you, if there's anything under attack today, it's the family. Uh, and you look around in our world, our culture, our society today, and uh, boy, it seems like the family certainly is in the crosshair of Satan himself, right? Uh, he's certainly attacking the family. So I want to I try to speak today, and uh, several weeks ago we started this series. Now, we've had some interruptions. Uh, we started this series several weeks ago, and I talked to you about the very first message was on the importance of the family. And for those that don't know... I brought this kitchen table out because this was the table, the actual table that we raised our family around. And, uh, and I shared with you some of, the, some of the foundational scripture verses that we used in raising our, our family. And one of those was Luke chapter 2 verse 52 where it says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. And there are four pillars there that I think all of us as parents need to be intentionally instilling and building in our families. And those four pillars, when it says Jesus increased in wisdom, that's intellect. Okay, so we need to be sure that we are helping and working with our children to help them in the area of their education. It also says that he increased in wisdom and stature. That's physically. So the physical well-being of our children is important. But the other two are equally as important. When he said he was in favor with God, that's spiritually, and with man, that's socially. So those four areas we really need to pay attention to as parents and as families and gather around the table and be intentional about engaging into some conversation about those four areas. And I shared that sermon with you sometime back. After that, we had the Awana Sunday, if you remember. And we had to take call a time out and we pulled this off the table and brought all the Awana kids up and we had the Awana Sunday. Then after that, we came back and we preached on the theology of the family and we talked a little bit about Adam and Eve and the marriage, the relationship and about all of that and how it took place. And then we had to call time out again because um, we had the, the baby dedication. And so we kind of got off of it a little bit. However, I was able, I think, kind of even bring it in and work it in. My point is... I'm kind of off sync with where the small groups are. But you know what? That's okay. Uh, because everywhere we are, whether it's in our small group or in the sermons here, it's the Word of God. And I think it's something we all can glean from and draw from. And I think maybe you've already studied this on the fall of the family. But I want to go back and unpack that a little bit. So that's what I want to speak on today. The fall of the family. Guys, do you realize that the fall, whenever I'm talking about the fall, I'm talking about sin. The fall of man came through a family. But equally, I think, uh, as important, we need to understand that the redemption of mankind also came through a family. 
through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, God being the Father and, and the virgin birth of, of Mary and Him being born into the world and, and, and the, the plan of salvation that God had worked out. The key factor in both is what? Family, right? Everybody say family. That's the key factor. The fall took place in a family and redemption took place in a family. That should be an indicator to all of us that the family is very, very important in the eyes of God, right? And so I want to talk to you today a little bit on the fall of the family. Now we're going to go back and we're going to look in Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. And we're going to look in Genesis chapter 3 briefly. And, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because most everyone is familiar with what took place there with Adam and Eve of eating of the tree that they were forbidden to take fruit from or, or to eat from, I should say. Okay? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I'm going to bring it kind of fast forward and put it in our world and look at some ways that Satan is trying to destroy our families today and try to give you a, a defense mechanism, if you will, that when you walk out these doors that you have something in your hand that you can walk out that door and you can give the devil a black eye with how he is trying to tear down all of our families. Okay, fair enough. So I want to talk to you about the fall of the family today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get right into this message, okay? Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together today, and thank you, God, for this time of worship. And, and Lord, we just ask, God, that you just continue, Lord, to speak to our hearts. And, and Father, we are needy people, every single one of us. And, Father, how we need you. We need your presence. We need your protection we need your provision. God, we need you. And I pray, God, for all of our families that are here today. And, Lord, I know that, that Satan is trying his best to destroy our families. Help us to be wise to his devices. Help us to see exactly where it is that he's trying to attack our families. And then help us to put in a defense mechanism that you teach us in your word how we are to combat the devil. And God, I pray that every family here would instill this defense mechanism into their family so that our family doesn't fall as many have in our culture today. We ask your blessings on our time together. If there's one here that does not know your son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior, my prayer is today would be the day of salvation for them. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to real quickly lay the foundation for this and then I want to get a little bit over to the practical side of this and try to give you a defense mechanism so you can walk out the door and you're ready to fight Satan as he tries to attack your family, okay? So let me lay the foundation first of all. Three things I want you to see whenever we're talking about the fall of the family and the foundation that we're trying to lay here. Number one, I want you to get this. God commanded. Here was a commandment from God. He placed Adam and Eve in the garden. And he said, you can eat of any tree in the garden you want to eat of except one tree. Now, he gave them a tremendous amount of liberty, right? He gave them a tremendous amount of freedom. But he knew what was best for them. So, therefore, he said, there is one command I have. What is it? Do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? Everyone say, do not eat. Do not eat. That was it. God said, everything else is yours. Do whatever else you want to do. But there's one tree that I do not want you to partake of. 
I do not want you to eat from. And it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So I just want you to see that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the garden. By the way, I told you a few weeks ago that work is not a curse. Are you with me? Hello? Let me say that again. I don't think that sunk in. Work is not the curse. You understand? Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that if you do not work, you do not eat. Hello? Matter of fact, there's even some directives given to us as a church and as believers that if someone's not working, we're not to give them a handout. Now, that's a whole other sermon, but I'm not going to go that far, okay? I realize there's some, I'm talking about that has the attitude of never wanting to work. I'm, I know there's folks that fall into in and out of jobs. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this entitlement mentality, right? Say amen or old me. Are you guys with me? I, did I hit a, hit a sore spot or what? Listen, we, we're supposed to work. Work is not the curse. God put Adam and Eve in the garden to tend the garden, to take care of the garden. The curse came as a result of the fall. And now the earth is cursed with thorns. Man is cursed now with sweat. Women are cursed with pain and childbearing. Are you with me? I mean, that is the curse. And so he put them in the garden to work. But he said, when you're working in the garden, when you're tending the garden, when you're watching in the garden, when you're taking care of things there, he says, you can eat of any tree. Except one. And this one tree is the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, I do not want you to eat of that tree. That's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Let me give you the second thing real quickly. Second thing is this. Satan tempted Adam and Eve by denying God's spoken word with three different lies. Now, you can go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. You see this dialogue that Satan had with Eve. And by the way, a lot of times men, us men, we won't put all the blame on Eve. But let me tell you, the men are just as much at fault here. Adam is just as much at fault with what took place, with what Eve did, because the Scripture says that he was there, right? The problem is he didn't step up and lead like he should have been leading the family. Are you with me? Now, that's a whole other sermon. I'm not even going to unpack that one today, okay? Maybe I'll save that for Father's Day. No, I'm just kidding. Come come back on Father's Day. I'm not going to go there. But he should have been leading the family, right? He wasn't. He should have been protecting his wife. He wasn't. He should have been teaching theology to his family. He wasn't. Theology is just a study of God. He should have been telling his family what God had said and saying, we are going to stand. But he didn't. So he's just as much at fault with what transpired here between Eve And between Satan. Are you with me? Genesis chapter 3. Satan tempted Adam and Eve with these three different lies. Here are the three lies that he said. Number one, he said, you will not die if you eat of that. You'll not die if you eat of that fruit. He then said, your eyes will be open. And he said, you'll be like God. So this is the deception that Satan brought into this conversation when he was trying to destroy the family. Let me give you the third thing, just laying the foundation here. The third thing is this. When Adam sinned, I want you to see that he brought death and condemnation to four key relationships. He brought death and condemnation to four key relationships. And here they are. I don't believe I have a slide for them. But here are the four key relationships that he brought death and condemnation to. First of all was the relationship between man and God. He destroyed that. Because now man has sinned. 
And God cannot look on sin. So that relationship now has been severed. Now the eternal death has been delivered over to mankind because he has sinned, but yet man was created in the garden if he would have obeyed to pretty much live forever, right? But now there's going to be death. That was the judgment that was brought in. Now there's this eternal death. There's this separation from God. So we see this first key relationship was between man and God. That has now been severed. There's another key relationship that was severed. It was between man and himself. If you read the text, you'll see that Adam and Eve were walking around the garden in their birthday suit. You paint the picture, okay? But now all of a sudden they feel naked. They feel guilty. They feel ashamed. What happened? That's the effects of sin and what took place in their life. So now the relationship that they even had with themselves and how they were feeling and the life and how they thought about themselves and the life that God had given them, now that has been crushed and severed as a result of taking of the fruit. The third relationship that was severed, not only was it man and God, not only was it man and himself, but it was also man and others. Here's where the blame game started, right? You remember when the Lord came down, and as He did oftentimes, and He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. You remember that? And then He comes down, and now they're hiding. Why are they hiding? Because they know they have sinned, right? They have guilt. They have shame. They're bathing in this self-loathe, if you will. They're ashamed of what they've done. And now God says, what happened here? As if He didn't already know. And by the way, God already knew. He was looking for a confession, is what he was looking for here, okay? Well, what they start do, doing? Adam said, not me, it's that woman you gave me. Talk to her, right? That's an easy way out. Hello? Well, then Eve said, well, it's not me, it's a serpent. And then, of course, you see this blame game starting. So it severed even the relationship of man and others with this blame shifting and this disruption of family relationship already, but now between Adam and Eve. And it eventually leads to murder with Cain and Abel as well. You know the story, right? So you see how that relationship now between man and others, even within the family, has now been put to death or severed. And then, of course, there's another relationship, and it's man and the earth. Okay, if you remember now, the curse, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, the curse now is that the earth is now going to grow thorns and weeds. How many planted a garden this spring? Maybe you have it already in the ground. Maybe you're planning on putting it in the ground. How many have that? How many, how many have flower beds? You have some type of flower bed, and you have mulch. You know those things called weeds? Don't you hate them, right? you got to get the hoe out. you got to get out there on your knees. And you got to pull out the weeds. you got to dig all the way down to the root. And you pull the root out. And you pull one out. And it seems like ten more grow in its place, right? Why is that? That's the curse, okay? That's the relationship between man and the earth now. The Scripture teaches us that even the earth is groaning for the day of redemption. I believe a lot of what we see even with, the, even with the tornadoes and the earthquakes and the tsunamis and all of that, I believe all of that goes back, by the way, let me call time out right here. Just because 
Just because a tornado or a hurricane hits a particular area or a community or a city in the country, that doesn't necessarily mean that those people were doing something wrong. Are you with me? Just because some disaster happens to someone's home and they're good people doesn't necessarily... I've heard people say, well, God must be trying to tell you something. Not necessarily, right? That, do, that doesn't necessarily mean that you did something wrong because you were part of one of the natural disasters. Are you tracking with me here? Why do those things happen? Those things happen because of the fall of the family. Those things happen now because the earth is under a curse. So whenever you see these things like tornadoes and, and earthquakes and tsunamis and, and the list goes on and on and on of these different type of natural disasters that we have, I believe all of that can be traced all the way back to the curse now that's on the earth as a result of the fall of the very first family. Are you with me? All right, so that's the foundation, okay? So here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that your family and my family is under attack, okay? Just as the very first family was under attack, I want you to know that your family is under attack. Matter of fact, I want you to tell your neighbor right now. Tap them on the shoulder right now and tell them your family is under attack. Go ahead, do that. Do that right now. Yeah, you are. Right? Satan, Satan wants nothing more than to destroy you. He wants nothing more than to destroy your family. And guys, if we are not wise to that, if we walk around with our head in the sand, right? If we walk around with a spirit of apathy, hello? If we walk around with an attitude that somebody else would take care of this stuff, then I'm telling you, there's a huge percentage that your family is going to fall apart. You're going to have to work. Are you with me, church? You're going to have to work to protect and take care of your family. If Satan wants to destroy this church, how do you think he's going to do it? He's going to do it through the families. Exactly. He's going to do it through each and every family. Now, I want us to have a strong church. But our church is only as strong as the weakest family. Are you with me? Just like a chain is only as strong as the weakest link. Our church is only as strong as the weakest family. That's why my prayer is for you that you get serious about taking care of the family. That you get serious about building stronger families. That you get serious about some table talk that needs to be taking place in your home. Okay? Now, whether it's around the kitchen table, at least it needs to be somewhere. Okay? You need to be intentionally involved in protecting, providing, leading, nurturing, caring for your family. It's, it's that important. Can I get an amen, church? 
Let me give you four things, and I'll try to hit these real quick, and I don't want to keep you too long, and sometimes I get on this stuff, and I just can't stop. It just kind of just starts rolling, and, and so I apologize if I keep you too long. I know a couple weeks ago I kept you way too long, and I do apologize for that. But let me give you four things really, really quick, and I'll try not to be too long with this. I want to talk to you, first of all, about Satan's target, okay? I'm going to talk to you about Satan's target Then I'm going to talk to you about his weapons, I'm going to talk to you about his purpose, and then I'm going to talk to you about your defense mechanism, okay? But real quickly, let's look at Satan's target. What do you think his target is? Cheat notes are on the screen, by the way, if you need that. The mind. Exactly. What is Satan targeting? Now, if I'm the protector of my family, right? And by the way, that responsibility falls primarily on the husband, the father of the family. The wife is to be engaged as well, right? But primarily it falls on the head of the household, and that's the husband or the, the, the dad in the family. Moms sometimes have to play a, a dual role. And I tell you what, I am so appreciative of, of single moms that are trying their best to raise their kids in, in the way of the Lord and, and, and have to wear both hats. That's difficult. That's hard. But I'm very appreciative of that. Okay? So here's what I want you to see. I want you to see Satan is targeting your mind. Okay? When Satan wanted to lead the first family in sin... What did he start with? He started with a discussion with Eve. He started with her mind. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3, the scripture says this, But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your minds may be seduced, from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. Now Paul is saying, and he's even bringing to mind to the church at Corinth, he's saying, listen, the fall of the first family, the fall of Adam and Eve, started because Satan seduced, if you will, deceived the mind of Eve. And the family fell and was destroyed. And Paul is saying in Corinthians that I'm afraid that your minds are going to be seduced from a complete and pure devotion to Christ. So what Paul is saying is we must guard the mind. Okay? We must be careful. And we must guard the mind. Let me ask you a question. Why then? Why would Satan attack the mind? Why would he start attacking the mind? Matter of fact, notice that he did not tell Eve that God had not spoken. He just started twisting it a little bit. Okay? He was getting into her head. He was getting into her mind. Why is it that Satan attacks the mind? Here's the reason. Because that's where God starts his communication with us. Through our mind. And then we hope and pray that it settles into our heart and to our depths of our being and it becomes our lifestyle. But it starts in our mind. So God is communicating with us initially through our mind. And why is God communicating with us into our mind? Why is He speaking to us? 
He's speaking to us so that we would discern what His will is for us. You remember, we talk all the time around here how nobody's here by mistake. No one's here by accident. No one's born into this world by mistake or accident, right? God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. God has a will for you. He has a plan for you. And He wants to communicate with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to engage in your mind so that He can show you what His will is for your life. But Satan knows that if he can attack your mind and he can get you to the place where you no longer listen to God or you no longer take to bank what the Word of God says... And sometimes we think in the year 2015 that we have become so intellectual that we kind of want to dumb down the Scripture and we want to explain away what the Word of God teaches. Hello, church. What we need to do is have childlike faith in the Word of God and let His yea be yea and His nay be nay. This is the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. God that we need to be living by. Amen? So, but it starts with the mind. And God knows that if, or Satan knows that if he can get in your mind, that now he can interrupt, break up, bring some distortion, sow some seeds of doubt in your mind concerning the Word of God, and then you'll never be able to get to the place or I should say, I should never say never, but it, it will be difficult for you to get to the place where you're living in the center of God's will. Make sense? So I want you to see that his target is the mind. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this age, to this culture, to this society. Don't let it conform you into their mold, he says, but be transformed by the what? You know this verse. By the renewing of your mind. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may discern. Okay? So that you may have understanding. So you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect, here it goes, will of God. Hello? So it starts with a transformation of the mind. So if that's where God is going to start working in us by transforming our mind with the Word of God so that we discern and know and can live in the will of God. So the best way to keep Satan wants to keep you out of the will of God now is to attack your mind. I think I've kind of proven that point. Are you with me? Okay. So that's the target. Matter of fact, here, here's what it is. God renews our lives by renewing our minds and He renews our minds through the truth. And the truth is the Word of God. Okay? So as we are in the Word of God, that renewing of the mind is taking place. In John seventeen seventeen, this is the prayer. This is actually the Lord's Prayer. In John 17 and 17, when Jesus was praying, and He said this in that verse of Scripture, He said, and He's praying to God, and He says, Sanctify them by the truth. And He says, Your Word is truth. You see, if Satan can get you to believe a lie, then he can begin to work 
in your life can lead you down the road of sin outside of the will of God. So we've got to be wise to that. Matter of fact, and I don't know where you stand on this. I've read this book numerous times, and I'm in the process of reading it again. I was raised that you don't ever read this book through some of my mentors in the church. But it's Norman Vincent Peale's book on the power of positive thinking. I don't know if you've ever, anybody ever read that book? Great book. Fantastic book. Now, you can't go to the extreme, as some have taken that to the extreme. But Scripture teaches a lot about the mind and how we are to think. And I believe there is some power whenever we are positively thinking about the Word of God. Are you with me? Hello? Matter of fact, listen to what Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 says. It says, finally, brothers, get this. You need to write this reference down. Philippians 4, 8. It says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. What does the word dwell? It means meditate on, think on, live in, abide in. Dwell on these things. Think on these things. Think on what? Think on things that are true. Jesus already said the truth is the Word of God, right? Think on things that are true. Think on things that are honorable, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are commendable, right? If there's any excellence and if there's any praise, dwell on these things. So Scripture teaches us that we are to fill the mind with some positive, good, truthful things. I know growing up, all of us had mothers that said this, garbage in, garbage out. Are you with me? The problem, hold on now, I'm going I'm to get right in, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump right in your lap with this statement. But I don't mean to offend you, I just want to make you aware of something. The problem is we fill our mind with the filth and the garbage and the junk of this world, whether it be in music or movies or, or magazines or, or crazy books that we read, or we've got to guard the gate of the mind because Satan is using a lot of different things to attack the mind so that he can, he can hinder the communication that God has with us, thus hindering us to walk in the will of God. Of God. Guys, we've got to guard the mind. Are you with me? We've got to feed the mind good things. We need to be reading good material. Are you with me? Are you feeding your mind some good things? Because garbage in and garbage out. Right? Are you with me? Say amen or oh me, but hang in here with me, okay? All right, number one, Satan's target. Number two, I've got to hit this and, and go. What is his weapon? What is the weapon that Satan is using? So he's, the target is our mind. So what's the weapon that he's using to attack our mind? Well, I told you this earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you're picking up on this. Good job. It, it's lies, right? It's Satan deceiving us. It's him sowing seeds of doubt in our mind. Revelation 12 and 9 says this. 
So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one, get this, the one who deceives the whole world. Satan is all about deception. Okay? In John 8 and 44, the scripture gives, Jesus gives a, a really good definition of who Satan is. It says this in John 8 44. Jot that reference down, John 8 44. You need that. He's saying about the devil, you are the father of the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. and He has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. Everybody say no truth. There is no truth in him. Jesus says there is no truth in Satan. So every single time that he talks to you, he's telling you a a lie. Yes. Jesus said there's no truth in him. Right? Let's go a little further. Because there is no truth in him, when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Okay? So here I want you to see that's his weapon. And he's going to be sowing seeds of doubt in your mind. And he's going to be trying to deceive you. And he's going to shoot a little fiery dart. And it's going to be right in line with maybe a set of circumstances that are going on in your life. And he's going to cause you to stop and ponder and think on what he just shot you with. But here's what I want you to be aware of. Anything. Satan tells you. I don't care how he packages it all up. I don't care how nice of a bow he may put on it. Whatever he's speaking to you is a, finish it for me, is a lie. Turn to your neighbor and say right now, Satan does nothing but lie. Go ahead. I want you to get that. That's all he does. Okay? So what are the steps? Let me give you this real quickly. I don't think I have this on, on on the screen either, but I want you to get this. Here's some of the steps of how Eve was deceived and how Satan got her to eat of the tree that she was not to eat of and Adam to eat of the tree as well. He got her, first of all, to question. Oh, I do have it. He got her, first of all, to question God's word. Now, he didn't deny that God spoke to her. He just got her to question what he said. Really? Yeah. I don't know if the serpent had eyebrows, but if he had eyebrows, really? <laughs> you know? Doubt, you know, that seed of doubt? Oh, really? And now he's like, well, well yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah. You know, you know how it works. You know the game, right? Have you, ever done so, have you ever been talking in a conversation and you know for sure exactly what you're saying is the truth about a particular event that may have happened? And someone says, really? And you're like, well... I think, right? You've been there? I do that all the time. I'll be telling something and somebody say, really? That, is that really? A, whoa, whoa, let me back up. Maybe I said something wrong. Maybe that's not. And I go back and I reevaluate. He said, that's what Satan does all the time. Because you'll be reading God's Word, you'll be studying God's Word, and you're trying to grow in God's Word, and you're trying to walk in God's will for your life. You're taking the next step, and you're going the next direction, and you feel this is of God, and this is what you should be doing, and you're trying to be faithful, and you're trying to be obedient. All of a sudden, Satan will just shoot a fiery dart of doubt, and now you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I was was so on fire for God back here, right? I just knew this was the very next step that I needed to take. And now I take a... Now, Satan shoots that 
fiery dart of doubt. Right? So he's going to get you to question God's word. Then he's going to get you to deny the word of God. Remember when he said, you shall not die. And God had already told him. Right? But then Satan says, you shall not die. And then he substitutes the word of God with a lie when he said, you will be like God. There comes the substitute. But it all started with that seed of doubt. Let me go on to number three here. I've got to get through this. Number three. Satan's target is the mind. Satan's weapon is our, our lies that he tells us. Number three. What's his purpose? His purpose is to make you... I didn't have enough room to get all this up there. But his purpose is to make you and make me ignorant of God's will for my life. So therefore, I'm going to be walking around the rest of my days in this, in this, this mindset of not able to make a decision. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what God wants to do with my life. You know what, guys? Really, discerning God's will is really, really not that hard. Get in the Word. Listen for that still, small voice. Wait for that moment when you have complete peace about a decision, and then move. Take the next step. And then wait for the next direction from the commander. Because I have learned over 30 years, 20, 30 years of marriage, and following the Lord step by step of the way, and over 20-some five years of, of pastoring, I have learned, that God doesn't always give me a beacon of light over the next ten years, but He does light up this next step. And I just step there. And then I'm there. And I camp out there a little bit because that's God's will. And then all of a sudden, He'll shine over here. Through studying Scripture, through prayer, through worship, through staying engaged with God. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. This is pretty good. And then you start building a lifestyle of that. All of a sudden now, you're way over here and you're looking back. There's 25 or 30 years. And people sometimes come to me and say, how did you, how did you get where you are in doing what you're doing? If you would have told me way back here, 25 years ago, that I would be over there today, I would have said, <laughs> no. You remember, I've told you, church, I was the guy that sat in the back of the church and had all the ladies around me ready to pray if the preacher said, you pray. I wasn't praying in public, right? How did God do that? He did that through just one step of obedience. One step of obedience. Blocking out the voices around. By the way, there's always going to be voices there's always going to be noise. Are you with me? There's always going to be distractions. There's going to be noise. Disruptions. Distractions. There's going to be noise. I want you to get that. Noise comes from sometimes well-intended family. Noise comes from sometimes well-intended friends. Noise comes from just Satan shooting fiery darts to try to get you to get off of this path. There's always noise. Are you with me? But you've got to block that out. And you've got to focus on what God wants to do in your life. And be obedient. And here's what I know. You be obedient to God today. And you'll be right in the center of His will tomorrow. 
And I don't always know what that looks like. And I don't always know where that's going to take me. Right? And I don't know where it would take you. But I do know this. If you're obedient today and you develop a lifestyle of being obedient to the Lord day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you'll be right in the center of His will. Ten years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, whatever it may be. Right? So what's His purpose? His purpose is to get us to ignore the will of God. So here's what I want you to know. Satan attacks God's Word because God's Word reveals God's will. Satan attacks God's Word. Why is it in our culture today... i got to stop. Why is it in our culture today every other religion out there we tolerate except Christianity, Jesus... And the Word of God. Why is there such an attack from our culture and our society on the Word of God? Let me tell you, the Bible tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. This is his domain for a season. He's ruling it under God's authority for a season. So therefore, he knows he's got to attack this so that he can attack you. So he can keep you out of God's will for your life. That's his purpose, to get you to ignore the, the will of God. Psalm 119, 105, the scripture says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light into my path. Psalm 40 and 8 says, I delight to do your will, my God. Your instruction lives within me. Listen, apart from the word of God, we have no sure understanding of the will of God. Let me give you number four, and I'm going to be done with this one. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask the band to come on up and get in place. I'm going to try to zip through this one. Number four, here's your defense. This is where the rubber meets the road. I've tried to lay the foundation with the fall of the first family. I've tried to put in perspective how it attacks us today. And now here's your defense mechanism. What is the defense mechanism? Talk to me, church. The Word of God. The defense mechanism is the Word of God. Now, I don't have time to go and unpack it, but go to Matthew chapter 4. Then Matthew chapter 4, you'll see where Jesus was led out into the wilderness to be tempted of Satan. With every temptation that came from Satan, Jesus... And by the way, he, used, he twisted and used Scripture to twist it and try to get Jesus to follow him, right? And succumb to the temptation. But with every temptation, with every temptation, Jesus said, It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. Now here's what I want you to know. If we're going to defeat Satan, if we're going to protect our family, if we're not going to be the next victim, the next fallen family, then God's, we've got to spend time in the Word of God. We've got to know the Word of God. We've got to memorize the Word of God. We've got to meditate on the Word of God. We must delight ourselves in the Word of God and we must use the Word of God on a daily basis. We need to be so in line with the Word of God that whenever a temptation comes, we know exactly what chapter and verse to go to to refute that temptation. We need to know the Word of God like a mechanic knows his toolbox. 
If you pull into a mechanic's garage with a problem with your car, and you pull in and you say, hey, I've got this and that and the other problem, he'll raise the hood, he'll look at it, he'll turn right around, he'll do what? Go straight to his toolbox. And he may go the third drawer down, maybe two over to the left, and he'll pull that out, and there's a bunch of different tools. He'll pull out one to go fix whatever's wrong with that car. He knows his toolbox. We need to know the Word of God like a mechanic knows his toolbox. We need to know where we go whenever we're being tempted. We need to know where we go, what book of the Bible we go to, what chapter we need to go to, what verse we need to use whenever it's time to make a decision for ourselves, for our family. Apart from the Word of God, you'll never know the will of God. It starts with your mind. Study it. Memorize it. It's one of the reasons why the Awana ministry is so, so, so vitally important here at this church. Memorizing Scripture. How many verses was it? Does anybody remember what that number was? How many verses did our kids memorize this first year of Awana? 254 memory verses. These kids memorizing Awana this year. Wow. You know who doesn't like that? Satan. Why? Because when they're feasting and memorizing the Word of God, the Word of God's revealing to them the will of God, and they're going to be giants for Him, spiritually speaking, and they are a threat to Satan himself. Your family's a threat if this table, or if this book, is at the center of the table, and the, the center of your home. If it's the center of your family, your family's under attack. Hello? But I decided a long time ago, and there were other directions that I could have gone. But I made a decision, and my wife and I did, but way before we had kids. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. We will build our family upon the strong foundation of the Word of God and church. I'm here to tell you today, I am blessed far beyond measure. And it's no goodness that I have done. It's the blessings that God has given me and my family as a result of standing on the Word of God. You can't go wrong if you'll make the decision that as for me and my house, we will stand on the Word of God. Families, I don't want you to fall. We got a lot of young families, and I am so blessed and fortunate to be able to speak into the life of these young parents that are raising kids. I'm I'm thrilled. I love watching you parent. I love watching your kids challenge you sometimes from afar. I chuckle under my breath. I've been there, done that, and I'm like, "Rise up, Dad! Be the leader." Yes, Mom. Be the be the parent. And then when I see you do it, I'm like, "Yes." Yes! Because I know you're on the right track of living in the will of God and receiving God's blessings in your life. I don't want your family to fall as the first family did. Let's make a commitment to the Word of God, okay? Our table talk is this. 
Here's the homework for the week. As families, are you reading God's Word? Are you memorizing God's Word? I was going to pull out my phone. I downloaded about five different apps for memorizing Scripture. There's umpteen hundreds of Bible reading plans that are out there. We have a few of them on our website. Go to myvictory.church. Click on menu, click under resources, and you'll see some of the Bible reading plans. You'll see some of the Bible memorization apps and hard copies and things that are available for you. Get them. Get, download that stuff on your phone. I'm, I get in trouble when I say this kind of stuff, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say it because I love you and you need to hear it. Spend as much time on your Bible memorization app on your phone as you do on your Facebook app. I'm not against Facebook, guys. But there's a whole lot more you can be doing with your life than scrolling Facebook 24-7. Hello? (laughs) You know, we're starting to celebrate recovery this fall. And it would not amaze me if we don't find that there are people that say, you know what, I've got some hurts and habits and hang-ups with social media. I I need help. Seriously. There's a lot of folks that are seriously addicted to that. I don't know how I got off on all that. Memorize Scripture. Memorize the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Have this at the center of all you do in your family. Let me pray for you. This is our time of invitation. Will you just bow your heads and pray with me and I'm going to pray with and for you and whatever your need is today. Now's the time to take care of those needs. Father, Lord, right now we commit this time to you. This time of reflection, this time of gleaning and hearing what we have heard and what the Holy Spirit has fingered around in our heart with. Help us, God, to discern your will. Father, I pray for the individual that may be here today that doesn't know your son Jesus as their Savior. Maybe they haven't committed their life to you or maybe they need to recommit their life to you. Father, may they pray a prayer like this. If that's you, just silently pray a prayer like this. Be sincere. Pray it to God. I'm going to help you. Just say, dear God, I realize I've sinned. I'm, I'm really so far from what your word teaches where I need to be. I just confess my sin to you today. I repent of it. I ask you, God, to forgive me. I believe you are the sinless Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried and you rose again. Father, right now, I just want to receive you into my life. I want to ask for forgiveness. I want to rededicate, recommit my life to you. Help me, God. I've drifted. I've gotten out of the book. And I want to live for you. Forgive me, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Now let me pray for families that are here today. If the Word of God has not been the central theme of your family, if it hasn't been the cornerstone of your family, of your life and your parenting and raising kids, let's pray today and ask God to help us to move it to that location. Father, I pray, God, for our families. This is the only defense mechanism we have against Satan. We are no match for him by ourselves. And Father, right now, I just pray, God, that we would 
focus on your word and we would place the word of God in the center of our homes and our families and our lives. Father, we would build our strong foundation with the word of God. God bless each family that's here. Help us to realize we're all, every single one of us are under attack by Satan. The Christian home is under attack. Help us, Lord, to stand behind the shield of faith. Help us to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet that are shod with the gospel of truth and the word of God and help us to stand. May you fight our battles as we stand on the word of God. Fortify these families. Keep them safe. Bless them. Thank you, God, for mom and dad and kids that are trying to build their family on the Word of God. Every family that's here, every mother, every father, every husband, every wife, every single parent, everybody that's here, God, I pray you help them raise their families on the cornerstone of the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.